0: Hello, one and all. Thank you for joining us today for another episode of the Effective Church Leaders podcast, where our mission is to give you actionable ideas to grow yourself and your church.
1: Hello, listeners, and yes, this week in the podcast, we are continuing our series on community outreach. In the first episode of this series, we discussed the need to develop an outward focus to be concerned not only with those who are inside God's church, but also those who remain outside of his family.
0: Yeah, in other words, to take seriously the mission Jesus gave us, to go and make disciples of all races.
1: That's right. And in our last episode, we talked about giving attention to your church's online presence, to really take a hard and fresh look at your church's website and digital content, and to design and write that content with outsiders in mind.
0: So what's next? What topic are we discussing today related to community outreach, hon?
1: Well, I'm so glad you asked. In this episode, which is episode 164, we are urging church leaders and Christians to design your Sunday morning gatherings with outsiders in mind. We are... First of all, asserting that there is indeed a connection between what happens on Sunday morning and the outreach. I think our listeners will readily see that connection. You know, people are looking for answers to their deepest questions. They're people who are looking for some kind of help to live better and meet a particular need or problem they're facing. Those people will often find their way to a church for those answers and solutions.
0: Yeah, that's right. I like the way that we are beginning this discussion. If a church wants to reach outsiders and help those outsiders come to know Jesus, I think it is fairly obvious that one of the ways to do that is through the Sunday morning assembly. If we picture the church as a house, the front door to the house today is the church's online presence, the church's website, or Facebook page, or YouTube channel, or some other digital content produced by the church, is more often than not an outsider's first introduction to the church.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that and, and maybe also a Christian friend or family member.
0: Right. But if we are thinking about those who don't know any Christian friends, mm-hmm. if we are thinking about especially those who are unchurched, the church's digital presence is likely the front door to the church. True. But I'm going to say that the living room of that house is the Sunday morning assembly.
1: Or maybe the entryway leading to the living room.
0: Okay, right.
1: And then where's the kitchen?
0: It's it's, uh, close by. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Take it from me. It's close by.
1: No, really, I love this metaphor. I think it's very descriptive.
0: Well, what we're trying to say here is that people who come to know Jesus through a church family will see the church's Sunday morning assembly as very important Mm -hmm. to their journey to Jesus. Attending that Sunday morning gathering will very likely be one of their first steps to becoming a follower of Jesus and part of a church.
1: Right, yes. So churches that want to increase their community outreach will want to give attention to their Sunday morning gatherings for sure. And I do believe that before we offer some suggestions for the Sunday morning gatherings that attract outsiders, we should answer a question that, you know, some of our listeners may be thinking about right now. And I, I'm going back to the title of this particular episode, which is Design Your Sunday Morning Gatherings with Outsiders in Mind. The question is this, is it legitimate to design the Sunday morning assembly for outsiders? Is that assembly primarily for those inside the church, those who have already decided to follow Jesus? Which one is it?
0: Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I think the short answer to your question is that the Sunday morning assembly should be designed with both insiders mm-hmm. and outsiders in mind. I agree. If we go to the scriptures to inform us on these matters, and we always should, shouldn't we?
1: Mm-hmm. Always.
0: We could go to 1 Corinthians 14, And there, Paul instructs the Corinthians that their assemblies should build up one another. What happens in their assembly should build up the church. And he repeats this several times in chapter 14. However, he also states that the church should be mindful of outsiders in their assemblies. He writes that the outsider should be able to say amen to what is prayed and sung. Verses 15 and 16.
1: Yes, and he also writes that he doesn't want outsiders or unbelievers to enter a Christian assembly and conclude... Well, these people are just out of their mind. That's from verse 23. Rather, he writes that the goal is for the unbeliever to bow down before God and worship him and declare, God is really in this place. And that's verse 25. So Paul urges the Corinthians to do things in the assembly that will benefit both Christians and unbelievers.
0: Yes, both. And what we said earlier has a bearing, too, I think. If attending a Sunday morning assembly is one of the very first steps an outsider takes, to learning more about Jesus and coming to know him, then it's just common sense that those who design the assembly should keep outsiders in mind.
1: That's right. And this leads us to our first general suggestion on this topic. And that is examine every single aspect of the Sunday morning service through the eyes of a visitor or guest. And what we mean here is walk through the entire service from driving up to the parking lot through leaving the worship center and going home. Do all of that through the eyes of a visitor. Ask, how might a visitor feel as they approach the building? What questions might visitors ask as they enter the assembly? How will they react to the announcements, the singing, the Lord's Supper, the message?
0: Yeah. You know, I think this may be something that we don't often do. No. Seeing the assembly through visitor eyes Mm -hmm. I think we tend to do what we have customarily done and often even without asking why we do what we do. So I really believe there is value in this suggestion. honey. Mm
1: -hmm. I think it's very, very important. And you're right. We get stuck in our comfort zone and we don't think what it might look like to go to church there if you've never walked in those front doors. Right. True. And here's a second suggestion, listeners, and it is address concerns a first-time visitor might have even before they visit the assembly. And I think mm-hmm. that's important to consider too. Of course, the place to address these concerns would be online. For example, some might wonder about attire. How are they expected to dress? Some might wonder how long the worship service will be. And by the way, if you announce on that website that the worship service will last no more than an hour, it's really important it doesn't go longer than an hour. Others might wonder if there will be a separate Bible hour for their kids, you know, while the adults are listening to the message. Young parents might be wondering if there's an attended nursery that's safe and attended by qualified people.
0: Yes. In other words, you are saying, let visitors know what to expect when they come. Mm -hmm. And regarding attire. You might say something like this on your website. Come as you are. I have read of a church that has an extremely visitor-friendly website and notably is a what-to-expect section addressing the concerns a first-timer might have. Marcy, one of their members, wrote it and includes her picture on the website saying that her face may be the first one visitors see as she will be standing at one of the entrances to the building. In that website section, she talks about parking and the building, what the church offers and doesn't offer, and invites visitors to come as you are.
1: That is cool. I have not seen that. I love that suggestion. And may I say something else about dress? You know, casual attire is what an unchurched visitor would likely wear, right? I mean just go to the store there's not there's what may be something you wear to work but mostly it's casual attire what is sold that's what most people have and if that is the case church members should keep that in mind don't you think I do I mean mm-hmm. you want visitors to feel comfortable with what they're wearing in fact you want them to feel comfortable coming to church which for most of them I, I mean it's going to feel like it's a strange place and that they're not sure that they should be doing this. So you want to do what you can do to take the edge off of any apprehension or any awkwardness. And you want to make attending less intimidating for the sake of guests. And sometimes that's got to start with what you're wearing.
0: I agree. I agree. Okay. Okay. Here's a third suggestion. Open parking spaces near the door and mark them for guests. Mm -hmm. Guests. Now, they may not want to park there if they think it makes them look conspicuous, but some will, and even if they don't, when visitors see those reserved spots, at least they will know that you have considered them and that you are expecting. You are, in fact, expecting guests. Mm
1: -hmm. And that guests have some priority because you put it right up there in the front. And I'm sure many churches are already doing this, but we wanted to... You know, we really want to give that as a suggestion because it's important. And a fourth suggestion is to have outgoing, friendly greeters at the entrance. And this is a big one. I'll say. Right from the start, you want guests to know that they're welcome and that you are glad that they came. This is so important. Actually, it's important for everyone to welcome visitors and show friendliness, but you can't count on everybody in the church. To make sure that that happens. So you really want greeters, people there at the door to show sincere appreciation that they came.
0: Well, you're right. Not everyone is friendly to guests. And it's, it's sad, but true. I don't know how many churches we have visited that were cold and unfriendly.
1: We could tell stories.
0: Yeah. They seemed to send the message that they really didn't care if we were there or not. But surely those who greet visitors at the door need to be friendly and welcoming, even if others in the church are not.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that recommendation is it's fairly obvious, but it is so important for us to be friendly and welcoming toward our guests. It doesn't mean you have to attack them and interrogate them. It means that you notice them and you greet them and you tell them you're glad they came and you offer to help and you smile and you just you're warm and friendly to where you create a context where people are feel comfortable to say, you know, to ask a question. Because people aren't going to come back if they don't think anybody noticed or care that they're there. Correct. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Well, here's another suggestion that may not be as obvious as the last one, and that is guide people to where they need to go and help them find their way around the facility. With this suggestion, we're once again encouraging churches to make it as easy as possible for visitors to come and engage the service. And just consider the things a first-time guest doesn't know. Things like, Well, where is the auditorium and how do I get there? And an all-important one is where are the restrooms? And if I'm bringing children, I want to know where they go and if it's safe. And I also want to know if there's a nursery and if it's attended by Qualified people, etc, etc, etc.. I guess that what we're recommending here is that churches take a look at their signage in and out of the building. Members don't need signs, and those who've been attending worship there for some time don't need signs, but people first in the door first time or two, they need signs they need friendly people and they need some signs to tell them where to go and things that and where things are that they need
0: yeah and i think we could probably say here uh, too that when you go into a church building that doesn't have signs telling people where to go and directing them to the right spot you're probably looking at a church that doesn't expect visitors may not want them necessarily but certainly doesn't expect to have them or they just haven't thought that visitors won't know where to go. So I like your idea about mm-hmm. giving signage in a building.
1: Isn't that interesting what it communicates when you just don't have a sign? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't care if you're really here, and you're on your own, Myrtle, to find yeah. the bathrooms. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay, here's our sixth suggestion. Make it easy for visitors to follow the service and engage in worship.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, this might mean that you give each guest a printed worship order at the door, Or you might let visitors know what is coming next by putting it up on a screen. It might mean that you put the words and possibly the music of the songs you sing on a screen instead of suggesting everyone turn to number 320 in the hymn book, for example. Some people might wonder, what's a hymn book and how can I find number 320? (laughs) You know, we do have a church language, don't we, that we Mm -hmm. have learned over the years that first-time guests may not understand at all.
1: You know, that's that's interesting, just some Sunday morning to listen to the words that are used and think about it uh, like the person you sit by at work would hear those words. We use a lot of words that make no sense to other people. Who don't know the Lord yet. Okay, our seventh suggestion is also an important one, and we should probably devote an entire podcast to this suggestion, and it is do what you can to design a compelling worship experience. You know, I think the truth is is that church attendance is on the decline in many churches. We know that it is, and more and more members are staying home, and that is certainly true for the unchurched. Recently, Kerry Newhoff wrote a blog post about this trend. He wrote that what he considered the problem is about this decline in attendance the problem is indifference. As our culture has become much, much more post-Christian, and as social media and apps and YouTube's channels have given people more options that, than ever for spiritual growth, you know, I think people have just grown more indifferent to in-person
0: attendance. Yeah, you know, I read that blog post, and I think he good. may be on to something here. Yeah. Indifference, it may be the scourge of our day. Mm -hmm. and of course indifference it's it's defined as a lack of interest a lack of concern or sympathy or importance and you know it's not that people hate church it's not that they are hostile to church it's just that there is no surge of strong emotions when they think about church Mm -hmm. it's just no longer important to go to church
1: it's like do you want to go to the grocery store oh it's raining let's not yeah Type yep. thing, and, and I know this is discouraging to church leaders, but what decline in church attendance may also be telling us is that people just don't see value in going to church anymore. You become indifferent to things when you no longer see value in them. For many people going to church, it's just not significant enough for them to carve out time for it anymore.
0: Uh, that, I think that's right. I think that's right on target. And so what we're saying here is that there just must be value in going to church for Mm -hmm. people to go. Now, this is true for followers of Jesus, yes, but it's doubly true for outsiders.
1: We've got to show the value. We can't expect them to already know it. Right, right.
0: So church leaders, let's ask some questions. What can you do to make your singing more compelling, for example? What can you do to improve your song service? Will you sing to pre-recorded music? Or will you mic the worshipers somehow to improve the sound? Or will you use a praise team, either seated and mic'd on the front row or throughout the auditorium or standing on the stage? Or will you invest in training your worship leaders?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just ask, how would a guest feel or react? when he heard our congregational singing mm-hmm. uh, is it compelling is it moving is it inspirational i think those questions need to be asked of our worship service in general mm-hmm.
1: absolutely um this is this is an essential one very very important and let let me add a related suggestion here before we move on and that is that church leaders make it a point to excel in exuberance in their worship services. This especially applies to singing in our assemblies. I think in too many churches, the singing is just, well, it's deader than a doorknob. Or, door or a doornail. Or a doornail. There <laughs> is no there is no apparent joy in it. There's no enthusiasm. There's no exuberance. There's no celebratory spirit. There's no joy. It, I said joy twice because it just doesn't seem to be there, and this must surely be a part of worship that many churches need to improve upon. We yeah. just got to do better with that.
0: I think so too and 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 back to back to this idea of a compelling worship experience, uh, not only should we ask how can we improve our singing, actually we should ask that question of every section of our worship. yes you know, including announcements and prayers and Lord's Supper and so forth. But, but we might also ask, okay, what might this look like for the preacher and his message? I only want to say just here, as time is drawing short for us, that preachers, too, need to put themselves in the shoes of a guest mm-hmm. as they prepare and deliver their messages. And this would affect sermon content, and it would affect how those messages are delivered It would affect things we say and things that we don't say. Mm -hmm. And I think your suggestion to excel in exuberance would apply here too. Mm
1: -hmm. I think some of the things that we've already said could be wrapped up in this. Some of our church language, some of the lingo, some of the terminology is no longer even a part of common day vernacular and really needs to be culled out of a lot of sermon messages. So that people that are new understand it
0: well, that and messages need to be life relevant. Yes, I mean yes. they certainly need to be biblical, mm-hmm. but they need to be life relevant. They need they need to show listeners that what is being said, the message of the gospel, the message of scripture, is helpful to life.
1: It matters. Yeah, Faith it matters. Matters. Yes, yes, and more and more. Some of our younger folks we know this from research too. They're spiritual. And they're looking for answers, and they're going to find some, and we want them to find them in context where Jesus is talked about, and where it makes a difference, and where it connects with them. And sometimes the language that we use or the way things are presented really need to be adjusted for the people that are there to hear it.
0: And application is very important. Absolutely. Uh, And you know what you said earlier uh, that we ought to devote an entire podcast series to Mm -hmm. having a compelling worship assembly would apply here too. We probably need to have a podcast podcast series or two on on preaching Mm uh and messages that would help listeners but we'll save that for another day
1: well let's offer one more suggestion before we close this episode and this suggestion is instruct guests on what they might do to take their next steps For example, make a QR code available for them to scan if they want more information about the church, or ask them to text the word new to a number on the screen if they want someone to know that they visited that Sunday, or ask them to go by the information booth or welcome center on their way out the door to get more information. Um, If someone comes and says, you know, I might have some interest there, give them a way to find out.
0: Yeah. And I think it's important, too, to mention that that you want to let guests make the first move. Mm -hmm. Don't don't ask visitors, for example, to raise their hands if they're visiting. No, 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 no. Or if they would like a welcome information packet, don't go to them and ask them to fill out a visitor's card. Let them decide how anonymous they want to be and for how long. Tell them what they can do to take a next step toward the church. But But give them the freedom and the power to make that decision on their own. And and don't be pushy with them. Mm -hmm. Let them come at their own speed and in their own way and in their own time. I I think that is helpful advice. Yeah,
1: I think it's important.
0: Okay, honey. Well, before we say so long for now, do you have anything else that you'd like to add?
1: Well, actually, I do. I guess I've been hanging around you too long. (laughs) I don't believe most of us make the effort to put ourselves in the shoes of our guests. I think we just don't think about it. Most of us don't tend to view our worship assemblies through the eyes of a visitor or a guest. We often think more about what we want, but we should Think about things from the eyes of visitors for the sake of staying on mission. We want to help people meet Jesus and develop a relationship with him. And like it or not, the Sunday worship assembly is a step to that end. And I think what that means for us is that to attract visitors, it may require us letting go of some cherished traditions. Of course, I'm not referring to biblical traditions, but I'm referring to some of these preferences and customs that have become our traditions over time. We may need to change the way we do announcements, for example. We may need to change the way we announce and stop announcing certain things, things that would be of no interest to guests and some of the terminology that we use. I think, I just think we need to hold our Sunday assemblies up to the light and try to see them from the perspective of a guest And we need to ask, are our assemblies compelling? Do they have value to those who are not yet believers? And chances are, if they don't have value to unbelievers, they may not have have any value to believers either. Anyway, that is something really important for all of us to think about.
0: I think that's a good word, hon. I do. We may need to let go of some of our Mm -hmm. cherished traditions in order to accomplish the mission that jesus wants us to accomplish
1: well that means we have to get out of our comfort zone and it means we're thinking about ourselves more than we are the mission i mean that's just what it is so let's be honest with ourselves and these fights that we may start and big disagreements it may be more about what we want not about how we can win people to christ
0: good okay listeners Thank you for giving us some of your time this week. We'll plan to return in a few weeks with another episode on how to increase community outreach. And also next week, we are planning to publish another circle group podcast. If you would like to become a member of our circle group, just go to our website for instructions on how you can join. We'd love to have you in that particular group and thank you for listening and may God bless you all.
1: Bye everyone.